You may not be able to see your way out, but Jesus has something in mind for you. He already knows what he's going to do. When you get fired off of your job and you just wonder why they shut the door on you, he says, I already know what I'm going to do. You've been tithing. You've been giving. You've been trusting. You don't have to worry. I already know. I got something in mind. Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. I don't know what you've been going through, but Jesus knows what you've been going through. You may have been waiting for a miracle. Jesus already knows what he's going to do for you. I want you to listen closely to today's message that you might be encouraged to continue to hold on until you receive your miracle. Now come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's word. He already knew what he was going to do. If I was one of those hooping preachers, I'd, I'd stop right here and we'd go to another key. Because <laughs> here's the thing. You're in a place right now and you're asking for God to move, but the Lord can say about your situation, I already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> just because you can't see it. Just because it hasn't appeared to you yet. I already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just waiting on you. When they come to meeting your need, you may be saying except they're going to foreclose on me. Lord, I don't know. God says, I already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just looking for somebody to have enough faith, somebody that's got enough trust, somebody that, that, that can believe like I want them to believe. I already know. When you're in the middle of your storm, perhaps you should ask the Lord, what do you have in your mind, Lord? <laughs> Share with me what you're planning on doing for the woman with the issue of blood what Jesus had in his mind was healing. When Jairus said come to my house so that you can touch my daughter Jesus already had in mind that he was going to raise her from the dead so he didn't have to rush. He says I already know what I'm going to do. The folks came to him and said oh tell him not to come she's dead. He said ah, she ain't dead. I already know what I'm going to do. For the lame man that was let down through the roof when his friends brought him and took the roof off the house and let him down, Jesus says, I already know what I'm going to do. When the demon-possessed man came out of the graveyard and bowed down before him, Jesus said, I already know. I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell him to come out and let this man go. You may not be able to see your way out, but Jesus has something in mind for you. He already knows what he's going to do. When you get fired off of your job and you just wonder why they shut the door on you, he says, I already know what I'm going to do. You've been tithing. You've been giving. You've been trusting. You don't have to worry. I already know. I got something in mind. When you get put in jail, doing something that you didn't do and, and you're innocent, he said, don't worry. I already know. I got something in mind. I already know what I'm going to do. I already know. I'm just testing you. I want to see what you're going to say. 
You want to go buy something from him? I, I don't know. I'm just testing you to see what you're going to say. They ought to say, he should have said, Lord, you the one been working the miracles. Lord, you the one that's been opening blinded eyes. Lord, you the one. Why are you asking me? You the one. He said, I already know what I'm going to do, but I'm just asking you to see what you're going to say. And a lot of times the Lord want to see what you're going to say. Yeah. Then the first thing he said to his disciples, you give them something to eat. Now look at that. We don't have anything to eat. He said, but you give them something. We don't have anything. Give them something. We don't have nothing. Give them something. We ain't got nothing. Give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Philip answered and said, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Eight months wages, eight months of my income won't even buy enough for each person to have one bite. And his disciples said to him, are we going to go spend that much money on bread and give to them to eat? You know, when you're saying that, you're saying, Lord, I can't see how this is going to work out. I'm logic. I'm using my intellect. I'm using my mind. I understand everything that's around. It takes eight months wages. Everybody still won't have enough to eat. We can't see. Are we going to spend that much to give it to these people to eat? And that's a picture of how we try to rationalize when we're in a bind. God, I can't see how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how. It just don't make no sense to me. I don't know if God can even do this. The disciples' understanding was this. We came here to minister to these people. We didn't come here to feed them. We came here to minister to them. We did not come here to feed them. We're here to meet their spiritual need and their need for the miracles, not a need that they can meet on their own. Send them away. Let them go get something to eat. But Jesus says, I'm concerned about their every need. He's concerned about our every need. There were thousands of people in this remote place. Now, uh, sometimes, uh, a lot of times when I'm reading these stories, I put myself in the story. I mean, I get in the story with them. I'm in there with the thousands of people. That's a lot of people with no microphone. So they're up close. Thousands of people. You're here at the end of this. He said there were 5,000 men not counting the women and the children. 5,000. And they're looking out. You want me to feed all of these people? We have been ministering to them for hours. They're tired and they're hungry, Jesus said. Now, here's what Jesus did. The scripture says this. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Go and see how many loaves you have. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far are they going to go with so many? How far is my money going to go with all my bill? And the pastor is talking about tithing. All the church won't is my money. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go? Bring them here to me, Jesus said. Okay, that's just like the preacher. I got five small. You see that? Small, preacher. Barley loaves and two small fish. And the preacher warned. I got a small check. 
This boy is only mentioned in one of the Gospels, and that was John. John is the only one that mentions this boy. You read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They just said, he said, look around and see if there's any loaves and uh, anything. And they say, yeah, here's some. But John said it was a, a boy. The other three writers did not think it was significant enough to mention him. But let's not overlook this boy. I'm in the picture. I'm, I'm this boy. I'm thinking about this boy. If Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do, he already knew about this boy. And he knew about this boy before this boy left home. But think about this boy. Was he alone? Or was he with his family? This boy. I'm wondering now, since they're in a remote place and it's getting late, why does he still have his lunch? He's a boy. What do boys do? They eat first and ask questions later. Boy, here's a boy and he still has his lunch. Well, maybe he had much more than that and he already ate. And this is, are these his leftovers? Was he so interested in Jesus, however, and he was so fascinated by Jesus. So in order for the disciples to, to see him in this crowd of 5,000, this boy must have been up front close. And maybe he was so interested in what Jesus was saying that he didn't have an appetite to eat right now. Or maybe he said, right, if I break this out, everybody going to want some. <laughs> I mean, he's a boy. Now he had to be close for the disciples to spot him. There's something right there. And what did he say? That's mine. Did they hijack it from him? Give me that. Or did he give it up? Did he willingly give up his lunch? I believe just as Abraham found a ram in the bush and Peter found money in the fish's mouth to pay his taxes, God arranged this boy to be there with this lunch so God could use it. You don't know how God want to use what you have. I'm hungry too. I haven't eaten either. But can you offer this up? The story says, Jesus said, bring it to me. We didn't have any indication that there was any resistance to that. Jesus is getting ready to work a miracle. And the boy is a willing participant. Many of us have not seen the miracles of God because we are not willing participants. See, we want God to work a miracle, but we don't want to invest anything in it. See, we want God to do something for us, but we don't, we, we don't want to offer him anything. We, we just, Lord, uh, Lord, I hear you. you. You got the blessings flowing over there. We got the blessings flowing over there. You know I have a need, but I don't care what your need is. God always requires you to step out in faith of some kind. Ask the widow woman who said, I'm getting ready to die. Me and my son just going to make one cake, uh, a little bit of a cake, a little oil, and we're going to eat it and die. And the man of God said, make one for me first. To us, it doesn't make sense. That's inappropriate. But God was getting ready to do something, and he needed her to participate willingly. And when she did, that was a miracle that broke out that provided for her and her family for the rest of their lives. See, the boy could have said, no, this is my lunch, and I will have to eat it. 
but he gave it up. When we have a financial need, don't we say, why should I tithe when I have all of this need in my hand? I, all I need is in my hand. Why should I tithe out of this? The reason, this little boy could have said, the reason I have two fish and five pieces of bread is because I eat two fish <laughs> and five pieces. <laughs> if I didn't need it, I wouldn't have brought it. There are those who said, I will tithe, but I'm not going to give a penny more. See, there are people who tithe faithfully, but they're saying, that's the end of it. I ain't giving not a one penny more. They'll tithe to the third decimal place if they could. But I ain't going over that. I'm just doing that because I just don't want to be cursed. But if we're going to see the miracles of God, we're going to have to trust him with all that we have. You will never see God's ability to multiply what you have if you're not willing to release it. This is Jerry G. Martin, and thank you once again for joining us as we have brought the Word of God to you. And we are hopeful that your life has been enriched and that you have been encouraged. It is such a privilege to come to you no matter where you are. You may be in your home or your automobile or your place of business. If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can also join us on our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. And as always, I invite you to be our guest at the Light of the World. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're in Atascacita, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, North Houston, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. Come and be our guest. I want to remind you that the Beacon Christian Bookstore is located right here on our campus. Almost every Christian bookstore in our city has closed. But we have an inventory of Bibles, communion supplies, Sunday school books, offering envelopes, study materials, or whatever you might need. Call the Beacon at 281-441-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, May the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.